Governor Yunkin pardons a dad who wanted to stand up for his daughter, but instead ended up getting arrested at a Loudoun County School Board meeting. How does this pardon impact other parents around the state? Plus, we share some boilerplate talking points on why parental rights are worth protecting in Virginia. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, with our president, Victoria Cobb. Well, welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us for Speak Up Virginia. Today, we have a special treat for you. We hope that you will be able to use this equipping tool that we're going to bring you today, and that is a short overview of parental rights, how they apply in the classroom, how they are protected constitutionally. And we're hoping that these points that we're going to give you will help equip not only you, but people in your life. If you know parents that could use this, this is something you're going to want to share. And we hope that it will encourage people, not only in the state of Virginia, but elsewhere in the nation that are dealing with these parental rights issues. Yeah, this is such an important topic because this has been an issue all over Virginia for quite some time. And so we do hope it's an equipping. And I think we've even seen in the last little bit that this this issue continues to to kind of rear its head. We've had our governor just recently, in an item of news, um, issue a pardon for a dad who you might recall was at the Loudoun School Board. And um, he was arrested. The infamous meeting that a lot of folks have seen on the news and have heard talk about. But before we get into the background, let's just maybe listen to what the governor had to say about this pardon that he issued for the dad. We righted a wrong. He should have never been prosecuted here. This was a dad standing up for his daughter. And just to remind everyone, his daughter had been sexually assaulted in the bathroom of a school and no one was doing anything about it. And in fact, it it took the election of a new governor, me, and my directive to our attorney general, Jason Miares, to investigate this, to uncover the fact that the superintendent had in fact covered it up. And he was immediately terminated when the final report from the grand jury was issued. Uh, Mr. Smith did what any father would do, what any parent would do, was stand up for their child. And, and, and even worse, what then happened was the perpetrator was moved to another school and sexually assaulted another young woman. Um, this, this was a gross miscarriage of justice. And I was so pleased to speak with him on Friday and be able to issue a full pardon for him. Victoria, help us understand why is this pardon important not only to this one dad, but to parents all across the state of Virginia, and also maybe give us a little background to help us understand why this dad's case is significant. Well, it's really important because parental rights is under attack, and I think we saw it most poignantly in Loudoun County. I mean, if you remember, that school board didn't just sort of Uh, dismiss parents' rights. I mean, they were disdainful Mm -hmm. towards parents. And so they're kind of the symbolic picture of what's been going on everywhere. And so just to kind of remind folks, there's all these policy discussions around transgender model guidelines. And Loudoun County, of course, was having this um, this issue, but they were kind of trying to ignore, I think, the fundamental heart of the issue, what parents yeah. were really concerned about. And so this dad, his name is Scott Smith, and he basically was at the meeting out of concern for his daughter who suffered a sexual assault by a boy who was wearing a skirt and entered the girl's bathroom. So a, sort of like something that was a result of a, of, yeah. of having policies that allow this kind of stuff. And so it's yeah. a big deal. Yeah. And keep in mind, this is, um, I think, a couple of years ago, if I'm remembering right. Now it's been that long. Oh seems gosh. like it was just the other day. But <laughs> but the school was pushing a bad 
transgender policy under the right. Northam administration that came out of the Northam administration. So this dad's at the school board meeting where they're talking about trying to get through this bad transgender policy. So he's concerned not only about his daughter, but how this is going to impact, you know, other kids in the district. So that what I think is really ironic about this case is, you know, it, it showed him. Well, I don't, I don't know if we really got into this part, but um, because there's a lot of motions, which we're going to get into a little bit later, um, there were video clips out there that just really focused on this dad struggling with police, which we're going to get into that what happened there. Um, but the media coverage just kept showing that clip of him struggling with police over and over. And it's like he became the bad guy. He he became the poster image for domestic terrorist parents at the school board meeting. Completely yep. not accurate, not fair to him. But that's really how it was used. The, the irony is that there was really a much bigger issue at play yes. that was much more important than that how they were they were really lying to parents yeah i mean what wasn't really being acknowledged or addressed in was about how this boy had assaulted his daughter that 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 basically these issues come to play when we have bad policies and it wasn't you know it's kind of like we'll show the coverage we'll make him look like the bad guy but we have this really big underlying thing and as the governor explained in that news clip our state attorney general, Jason Miaris, launched an investigation of that school board, mm-hmm. which eventually basically revealed that the superintendent had lied about the whole thing, to your point. Like, yeah. just complete, not just disdain for parents, but deception to yeah. the parents also. Well, we we were actually, I was at the school board meeting where this happened with our um, legal counsel, Josh Hetzler. And I think it was at that school board meeting where the superintendent was asked, have there been any, I think the question was, if I remember right, had well, have there been any, you know, sexual assaults in the bathrooms or something to that effect? And he basically said no. And that that's just one of the things that was deceptive. But I think I think what's disturbing is after this happened to Scott Smith's daughter, they just shuffled the assaulter to another school, to another school yep. where it happened again. Yeah. And imagine trying to be that. Imagine being that, that dad in that yeah. room and, you know, finding out that, oh, there's been nothing. I mean, imagine just the idea that these that these school board members are willing to just dodge the issue completely. Um, so, yeah, it's it's it was a disaster. And of course, there was a kerfuffle. And of course, things yeah. got emotional. That's expected when this is the setup. Victoria, I just have to say they were since since I was there, they were so disdainful to the parents. They're talking down to them. I would say with contempt. So that's what's so maddening. All this is going on in the background, you know, even after that school board meeting for months. And they're still kind of putting themselves up as in a righteous spot, not when they're essentially hiding things. Yeah. I, I mean, there's there's a ton of questionable things that were happening at that yeah. meeting. I don't think there's any doubt. And, you know, you had all these people signed up to speak, like 200 people yeah. signed up to speak. So you had a huge effort by parents to make their voices heard yeah. and then eventually they get locked out of the room which is yeah. a whole another you know like oh well we, i mean i don't know if we want to get there we, yet but yeah just okay just real quick so this, yeah the school board you know again we're there witnessing this the school board in a way to punish the audience because they didn't like everything the audience was doing they leave the room the whole school board yeah. <laughs> vacates the room there's like 200 people signed up to speak including josh and i were signed up to speak um and that, so the audience, to their credit, just kept speaking. <laughs> well, who cares if the school board members aren't here? We're still going to have our There are say. cameras that run on these <laughs> yeah. things. So so while all this was happening, there was this little ker- kerfuffle, I would say, with um, Scott Smith and an activist that was taunting him. And the police got involved and it got very emotional. <laughs> it, went, it was downhill from there. 
but that's what people are making a big deal out of. And, and he ended up getting arrested. And, and that's what this pardon is about. Yeah. Right? I, I, you know, and I think it's just important to understand that the whole thing, the whole premise was just off. I mean, the idea that the school board, you know, met in any way behind closed doors and then try to kick out parents and we also I just want to kind of mention another yeah. lawsuit that came out because of this because he wasn't the only one arrested no he wasn't the only <laughs> one arrested so what's interesting about this is that in addition to him being arrested we also had a guy named John Tiggis arrested and his was for trespassing now trespassing is when you're improperly in a location and the way they deemed he was improperly in a location was saying that this meeting was supposed to be you know they were shutting it off to parents and so yeah. our law center actually had to win two lawsuits first we won a lawsuit up against Loudoun County School Board because they they weren't permitted to have a closed remain. They can't kick parents out at that point. And so we actually won, you know, kind of beat the school board, which was a lot of fun to do, by the way. And then we were able to say, well, it's really hard to trespass if you were rightfully allowed to be there. And so we were able to get, you know, our law center, yeah. Counting Freedoms Law Center, was able to get John Tiggis off. And so, I mean, the whole thing is just a mess. Um, and I mean, but one meeting. <laughs> It's encouraging because you have this pardon, you have our victory with yes. the Founding Freedoms Law Center. And I just want parents to think about, you know, when you feel like your voice isn't being heard, you're, you're being treated disrespectfully and you've done this over and over, you're not getting anywhere. We can have justice for parents. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think that the statement that, um, you know, Scott Smith made in response yeah, to the governors, yeah. I mean, maybe we should read that. So let me yeah. just read what he had to say. He said, let me be clear. I'm not a domestic terrorist. He's using those terms, of course, yeah. because they've been used at him. Um, I'm just a father who will go to the ends of the earth to protect his daughter. I will never, ever give up in the uh, endeavor until on this endeavor until my family is both protected and fully vindicated. Right. Like. He's the dad just out to save the daughter, which is like a hero story, not a villain story. They got it all confused the on the news. Yes. yes. Well, I think that pretty much gets us into the next segment um, because we want parents, as we were saying, we don't want you to be intimidated to defend your constitutional rights to guide your child's education to step in for their safety. We want to give you the tools to do that. Um, so what we're about to share is from a workshop that we did with our Speak Up Fairfax team in coordination with the Chinese American Parent Association of Northern Virginia. So this is a really neat thing. We were able to work with them and bring tools to Chinese parents in the area, to parents through our Speak Up team. It was a great thing to work together and build bridges. Um, but as part of that, I gave a short talk on, you know, how do you know what your parental rights are? Why are they worth defending? And kind of what can you do about it? So, you know, Fairfax is having similar battles to Loudoun, so it was relevant, but it's relevant to parents in every school district. Absolutely, and I feel like we should just mention that this wasn't even the only talk that they got that mm -hmm. day. They also got one from Meg Kilgannon, who's with Family Research Council. Mm -hmm. She's often featured on Washington Watch radio program, mm -hmm. and um, she's going to be our guest on this podcast next week. So let's go ahead, and we'll listen to Candy's talk, and I know you'll look forward to next week as yeah. well. So without further ado, and let's... Meg, yep. Meg oh. is in person. Yeah, she'll be in person, she, yeah. so you won't be... Yeah, so don't so miss that. You'll get to... You'll get to hear or interact with us, which will be great. Well, that was a rousing start. Thank you very much. Um, so before we take more of a deep dive with some of our sessions and our wonderful experts we have today, I'm just going to give a really broad overview of what your rights are and why they are worth protecting as parents. And I just want to start off with 
an inspiring story. If we can go to the next slide about one of our Speak Up members, the Speak Up Fairfax member that couldn't be here today. Some of you may have heard of her, Laura Murphy. Laura Murphy is a mother of four in Fairfax County. Now, if you would have told Laura 10 years ago that she was gonna have a large part that her courage would help change a governor's election, she probably would have laughed at you or politely dismissed you, but that is what happened. But at that time, 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago, she felt entirely powerless. And the reason why is it was 2012 when her high school age son came to her and said, Mom, I'm struggling with these images in my mind, um, the graphic images. And when she got into the conversation with him, it, it came out that he had been assigned a very sexually graphic reading assignment. This book had things like uh, depictions of things like gang rape, even bestiality. Um, but sadly, that's what a lot of our kids are being exposed to in school today. So when Laura first discovered this problem, she did what every parent should do. She followed the chain of command. She started with the teacher and then went to the principal. But all of her efforts were falling on deaf ears. She was getting nowhere. But the good thing is she didn't stop. So she came to us at the Family Foundation because she knew we worked a lot on policy at the state capitol. And we were, were able to put her in touch with legislators who turned her concerns into a bill. Um, I'm just going to play a quick video of Laura real quick. As a parent, it's tough to catch everything. So when my son showed me his reading assignment, my heart sunk. It was some of the most explicit material you can imagine. I met with lawmakers. They couldn't believe what I was showing them. Their faces turned bright red with embarrassment. They passed bills requiring schools to notify parents when explicit content was assigned. It was bipartisan. It gave parents a say, the option to choose an alternative for my children. I was so grateful. But then Governor Terry McAuliffe vetoed it twice. But you heard her describing how the legislators' faces turned red when she's telling them what her son was forced to read for a required class assignment. Um, but they paid attention to that. They turned it into a law that would require schools to notify parents when their kids are given sexually explicit content in the classroom and give them a chance to request an opt-out from that and have an alternative assignment. Now, at that time, that measure got bipartisan support, and it got through both chambers of the General Assembly all the way to the governor's desk, and that's when Governor McAuliffe at the time vetoed it. Um, but keep in mind, we're talking, at this point, this is a four-year battle for Laura that she's been in, and a lot of parents would have felt like a failure at that point. They get it all the way through the General Assembly, and it gets vetoed. But not her. She kept persevering. And that was why another five years later, she agreed to do this video in 2021. Um, she shared her story. A lot millions of people saw it, the video across the nation. So it was getting that word out. Um, but then her bill, what I like to call it the Laura Murphy bill, became a key topic in the governor's debate. If you remember when Governor McAuliffe at the time made that now infamous gaffe mistake in the debate <laughs> when he said, yeah, parents really don't have a say in the classroom. Um, you know, you can say in a large part that went a long way to, to turning the tide of the election because there were a lot of mama bears like you guys that were at that very moment at their school boards complaining, you know, um, bringing an issue up about the explicit curriculum, about the mask that they weren't being heard about, about getting kids back in class after COVID, all that was being ignored. That was the wrong thing to say. Um, 
so, you know, of course, we know the rest of the story, that Governor Yunkin won on a, uh, a tidal wave of the message, parental rights matter. He got in with that message in large part. And so one of the first things he did after getting in was sign the Laura Murphy bill. And so that's a big tool for you right now that we're going to talk about later. But the reason I share that story to start out with, because I want you to understand your power. Even though you are going up against the school board that is not listening to you, you have the power when you speak as an individual. You have the power when you work, when we work together, and you have the power when you persevere. We just have to be able to be willing to do it for the long haul and work together. Um, so I just want to encourage you that way not to be disheartened by the obstacles. To keep, Let's keep joining arms in this. Um, so with that said, I'm just going to get into a real quick 30,000-foot overview of what your rights are in America, why they are worth defending. So if we can go to the next slide. So we've all heard the outcry, we are not co-parenting with the government. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's been the outcry of parents across the Commonwealth. But what are the actual rights of parents in the classroom? The first thing that you need to understand is that the overarching constitutional right to direct the upbringing of your children, which includes a right to direct their education, is strongly protected in our legal system. So there are multiple—this is clearly backed up in multiple federal court decisions all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, but at the same time, at the local level, when you drop your child off at school, the, the public schools have what's called a, t a temporary authority over the children that you've left in their care for that time, which we know as a legal term called in loco parentis, um, which is, you know, meeting in place of the parent. So it's, it's temporary authority. Now, so what does that mean when they teach a curriculum during that time that conflicts with your family values? And a lot of that is being fleshed out in the courts currently. Um, but going back to the overarching constitutional right, if we can go to the next slide, I just want to make you aware of at least three important Supreme Court cases. So starting in 1925, there was a Supreme Court case called Pierce versus Society Sisters. And really what you need to know about that is it dealt with parents' rights to access private schools. Catholic schools and not have to be forced into the public school system. But the court said <coughs> parents have a constitutional right to direct the upbringing and education of their children. So as you know, our Supreme Court system, the way it works is one precedent builds on another, and then they refer to other precedents. So it's very important that these precedents are there. Um, another key one next is Wisconsin versus Yoder, 1972. Now that goes into homeschooling rights. And the court said the primary role of the parent in the upbringing of their children is now established beyond debate as an enduring American tradition. Uh, so that's a very powerful statement from the highest court in the land about the precedent of parents' rights. And then finally, I wanted to mention Troxel versus Granville from two, more recently 2000. Um, and that case has a key word here, fundamental right. They refer to a fundamental right of parents to make decisions for their children. And the reason fundamental is important is because that is also a legal term. When you see that, it means that there is a higher level of proof required for the government to be able to infringe on your parental rights. They can't just do it willy-nilly. Um, they have to show a compelling interest, um, an urgent interest in having to do that, and that they can't accomplish their purpose by other means.
So it puts the burden on the government, in other words, to show why they have to do this, why they have to violate your rights in this area. Um, now, I point out that fundamental right language. If we can go to the next slide. Oh, I skipped that one. Well, there's your Supreme Court. So I wanted to make you aware that it's very important that this fundamental right language is also backed up in Virginia law. And so one piece of legislation, you know, because we've been doing this since 1985 that we worked really hard on getting through, um, is wording in Virginia law that says a parent has a fundamental right to make decisions concerning the upbringing, education, and care of the parent's child. So that's in our law in Virginia. And then that has been backed up by multiple Virginia Supreme Court rulings. I'm just going to mention one from 2013 that refers specifically to parents' fundamental rights, that it survives constitutional scrutiny, that if you violate that, it's only going to survive scrutiny if there is a compelling state interest. So again, that high burden of proof required. Now, again, what does all this mean when it comes to what's happening in the classroom? So to help with that, you will find this Parents' Bill of Rights that we created for you. Um, and what you need to know about this is these are, these are the rights that should be acknowledged in your school. So I'm just going to single out a few of them. You can look in more detail later on. Um, but I wanted, first of all, to mention that you should have the right to review any books or curriculum being assigned to your child that are being used for instruction. We actually have a law in Virginia about that as it concerns sex education, which I know Meg will be getting into. Um, so that's backed up. The right, I want to single out the right to opt out your child of any instruction or assignment containing explicit or graphic content. Now, that's the Laura Murphy bill. That bill helps back that up. Um, I want to just single out some things that, that got through with that bill in particular, if we can go to the next slide. So in Virginia law, we have a, a good definition um, well, let me back up. This law actually had the education department develop model policies that every school was required to implement um, in January. And so they should already have this. And so they should have a clear definition of what constitutes sexually graphic instruction. So it, I won't go into all the definition, but it's, it's very clear on nudity and graphic images and sexual activity, things like that. Um, but importantly, that definition covers not just print things that kids might read, but also online and videos that they might be exposed to. Um, and this applies specifically to instruction. And that can be like a school-wide presentation, something happening in the library or the classroom, something read over an announcement. It just has to involve you know, more than one student to qualify as instruction. Um, so with that said, I do want to mention one other important right. And if we go, yeah, if we go to the next slide. Um, I want to talk about surveys, because I know that's been an issue here in Fairfax, that you, in particular, have this controversial uh, youth survey that they keep trying to put out to younger and younger kids. And right now, I think it's at least at a sixth grade, which can be kids as young as 11 or 12. And I know this has questions. I know you've probably seen these reports. Questions like, have you ever had sex before? Uh, during your life, with how many people have you had sexual intercourse? They ask them about oral sex. Pardon me for getting graphic, but that this is what our kids are reading in the surveys. 
Um, they ask about transgenderism. Specifically, some people describe themselves as transgender when their sex at birth does not match the way they think or feel about their gender. Are you transgender? So do we really want our kids being asked this when they should be learning math or you know, basic reading? <laughs> when, by the way, 65% of our fourth graders read below proficient level. And this, yeah. Um, so the good news is Family Foundation did help get through legislation in the Virginia Code that makes it clear you have a right to review any questionnaire or survey that is invasive like this with mental health and sexual questions and other things, family relationships, that kind of thing, and you can opt your child out. So you just need to be alert about that, but you do have rights to opt them out. This is also protected federally uh, through something called, if we can go to the next slide, the Protection of Pupil Rights Amendment which also gives parents a right to ask to review these surveys and request to opt out. I do want to point out a resource. We have uh, the Founding Freedoms Law Center. It represents parents pro bono if their rights are found to have been violated, so it's something to know about if you're concerned that your rights or your child's rights have been violated. Family, uh, it's foundingfreedomslaw.org. There is a flyer for it in your packet. But, I, but they have a resource center, and if you look at topics like sex education and transgender under resources on the website, they have things like this complaint form where you can fill out the complaint form um, for under the pupils, um, Protection of Pupils' Rights Amendment. So let me just single out a few other rights. Well, I, I think I'll, let's leave it at that for now, because I know some of our other speakers are going to get in more detail. Um, but basically, we put together this list of parents' rights to encourage and embolden you that your rights are protected under the US Constitution. You don't have to feel like an intruder, um, that you're doing something wrong when you go in the school and ask about this basic information about your child. You should have a right to go to the school property and ask to observe and meet with a school representative. You are well within your rights under the law to do that. However, I will give a qualification. These are the typical rights on this list that should be respected. But because what the court has done is make it really clear that you have this overarching constitutional right, but they haven't been so great at spelling out how that works in the classroom. And so that's a gray area that is constantly being battled out in the courts right now. But it is important that we do battle it out and work together. Um, yeah. We, we are going to have a Q&A at the end. Um, I'm going to go ahead and get through for sake of time. If you want to save that question, we are going to ha have a Q&A at the end, but I appreciate your interest. Um, so what are, I just want to cover real quick, what are the school's responsibilities to you? So basically, you know, you know, the school has a responsibility to keep your child safe while they are there under their temporary authority. They have a responsibility, it's hard to believe these days, to actually educate your child because <laughs> You know, why are they granted temporary authority? It's not for the authority's sake alone. It is to give your kid an, a quality education. That's the whole purpose. Um, they are, they do have a responsibility to educate your child in a non-discriminatory way. In other words, they cannot give them a lesser education based on their race, their sex, or if they have a disability. But isn't it interesting that those non-discrimination protections have been twisted into these tools to bring in sexual agendas instead of furthering a quality education? Um, I just want to wrap up this part with an encouragement for you. So I want to encourage you that your rights as a parent, you're, 
responsibility and right to be involved in your child's life at school is well backed up by science, by data. Did you know there are multiple studies from the Centers for Disease Control that make it clear that parent involvement with their kids at school not only increase clearly academic achievement, performance on tests, but also their well-being um, with their emotional lives. Uh, making it less likely that they're going to experiment with drugs or, or get pregnant before they're married, you know, as a teen. This is all clearly demonstrated. So if schools really care about the data, um, you can point to these CDC studies and say we should be more involved, not less. It's very clear if you really care about how kids are performing and your purpose as a school. Um, so let me encourage you that way. Even though that data is out there, we still have people playing these cards, don't we? The, the race card, the LGBTQ discrimination card, using that as distractions from the core purpose of education, to, using that as power plays to undermine parental rights. And so, you know, our response to that is it's not about that. We should all be about the kids protecting their hearts and minds, um, working together to educate them as Americans, uniting as Americans, not dividing with this vision our founding fathers gave us, that we are created equal, that we have, uh, we are endowed by our creator with unalienable rights, no matter how we identify politically or sexually, we should be uniting that way as Americans to educate our kids and not dividing over these, you know, identity politics and sexual agendas. So there is a talking point sheet on parental rights that just summarizes everything I just said. The online resource, familyfoundation.org slash speakupvirginia, that's familyfoundation.org slash speakupvirginia, has both print talking points and video talking points on a lot of these topics. Well, I, th I think that was a really helpful talk, and I particularly liked the fact that the data is with the parents. It's not just how you feel about your kid. The science backs it up. I love that the CDC study shows the kids who have parents who are engaged in the lives of their children are actually going to not only perform better academically, but they're also going to be less likely to engage in risky behavior, sexual experimentation, all those things that we know are bad for kids. Mm -hmm. So I think parents can be really empowered that, that they are right and that the science is going to back them up. Yeah. So it makes sense if the schools really want to help the kids they're entrusted with, they shouldn't be involving parents more and not less. It's just logical. But with that said, I do want to make you aware that most of what you heard in today's video is also available in print on our uh, familyfoundation.org slash speakupvirginia site. Again, that's familyfoundation.org slash speakupvirginia. You will find talking points there, both in print and video, that outline everything basically that we shared today on that. So if you want to pass those along, you know, you can either share this podcast or those print form points. So hopefully these are tools that will help you empower the parents you know around you that are facing these kinds of battles. And with that said, thank you so much for joining us today. Don't forget to share our podcast playlist, Speak Up Virginia, and to give us that five-star review. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple, that really helps us get the word out to more people. We'll see you next time. And remember, we are stronger when we speak together.